Hey, folks. Welcome to the Friday show on the Culture Jack podcast. I'm Dustin. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about uh, recasting some of our favorite Marvel characters in the MCU for the introduction of the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. But before we get into all that, uh, it's Halloween day tomorrow. So happy Halloween. Uh, If I don't hear from you before then, or if uh, you don't hear from me before then more specifically, but happy Halloween. It's a, it's a very spooky, spooky time of year. Uh, Before we talk about the X-Men and the Fantastic Four though, as has become the norm, has become tradition, I do have a couple quick uh, news bites for you, a little bit of information. And it's not only Halloween weekend, but it's Mandalorian weekend. The Mandalorian is back on Disney Plus. So for those those champions and fanatics that love the, the first season of The Mandalorian, the first episode is actually premiered today. I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet, but I'm very excited for more of that, that cultural phenom, Baby Yoda. Uh, but that's being released today on Disney Plus, and it's good because there's nothing else on Disney Plus, as we've discussed many, many, many times over, to include Black Widow. Disney Plus, where is Black Widow? Please release, let let Black Widow free. Free the free the vaccine. The, <laughs> any anybody watch Utopia out there? I finished finished Utopia. It was a great show. It was on was it on Amazon? Yeah, I think it was on Amazon. Great show. Very poignant to today with the whole uh, coronavirus and then the pandemics that Utopia showcases. It's an interesting show. It's an interesting show, and it ended very well. I mean, the first season ended very well. It's it's obviously set up for a second season. I didn't see how they were going to end the first season without completely ending the show, but they did, and they they uh, cliff hung, cliff hung. Is that, a, is that a way you could say that? They cliff hung it nicely over the edge there. Uh, I have watched a couple other things since then. I watched the uh, My Hero Academia anime movie, Two Heroes, a story of two heroes or something along those lines. It was very good. My Hero Academia is a very good anime in general, so if you haven't watched that, you really should. But I did watch a interesting movie that... Maybe it came out this summer. It was on Netflix. It was called Over the Moon. And it's an animated animated movie that looks so well done. Like it could be a, a Disney or a Pixar or a Blue Sky or one of those major animating studios. It looks like it could be a movie out of their closet. But it was not. It was some off-the-wall uh, brand it's on Netflix it's so good uh, it it's about it's like this Chinese folklore uh, about the autumn moon festival wherein there is uh, a woman Cheng Yu on the moon she lives in the moon and she was separated from her lover Hoye and this young girl who is dealing with uh, her mother's death and then her father uh, is getting remarried and she's having a hard time and she's struggling dealing with that. So with this this fantasy tale, she ends up going to the moon to try and prove that Chang Yu is real 
uh, to her father, who who doesn't believe in Chang Yu, doesn't believe in her mother's stories anymore. And it's very, very heartwarming, and it's very well done. And may I, may I just say, the soundtrack is absolute fire. It's very, very good. Um, I watched a preview for another animated film that is, uh, I believe it's coming out next year, or maybe it's coming out the end of this year. No, it's got to be next year. It's Raya and the Last Dragon. So that looks very interesting and very fun. In other news, in uh, comic book movie news, the uh, comic book author of one of the modern runs of The Suicide Squad, John Ostrander, uh, is confirmed to be playing a role in James Gunn's new Suicide Squad uh, movie as a character named Dr. Fitzgibbon. And uh, I, I guess it was in a in a picture that uh this john ostrander fella was pointed out was like is that john ostrander standing next to the character savant in one of these screenshots and then james gunn got on on the twitter machine as he is off off to do and said yeah it's absolutely him he's going to be in the movie he's dr fitzgibbon and i guess that is kind of an easter egg for James Gunn because he's he's always got a Fitzgibbon character in his movies which I didn't know was a thing but apparently is a thing and it's a thing that I'm going I'm going to be uh, looking out for in in his movies now with this uh, revelation and this casting announcement it, it strikes me that it has to be such a cool feeling as an as an author no you know, John Ostrander didn't create the Suicide Squad, but as an author of one of the many runs of the Suicide Squad, how cool is it to to see your creation come to life? Or, or not your creation, but you know what I mean? He worked on this as a comic book, and apparently his comic book run is the one that James Gunn is basing his movie off of. So how cool would it be to not only see your your characters that you represented in in print format come to life as these bombastic characters on screen represented well by someone who respects the source material i.e. James Gunn but not only that not only seeing these characters come to life but also being able to to act and portray a character next to them and I, I always thought that that was so cool for someone like Stan Lee, who appeared in all of the Marvel movies. He made a cameo in all of them. Not only was he seeing these things that he helped mold from from clay or, or helped, I guess, advertise and market from clay. It was more of his thing, apparently. But to see these things that were in, in no small part his creation coming to life and then getting to be part of those worlds. It just, I mean, it get, oh, it gives me goosebumps. It gives me shivers. It's just a neat, a neat thing to think about. And switching over to some video game news, we have uh, another delay of Cyberpunk 2077. It's now going to be released on December 10th. It was November 19th. And it was funny because just a couple days ago, before they announced this delay, I had been talking to Anthony, uh, who had a wonderful episode on Monday, on his Monday Madness show about Dungeons and Dragons and dice rolling. So if you haven't checked that out, be sure to go back and and check out that episode. But I was talking to Anthony and we were talking about 
whether or not we would be able to get a new Xbox series console. And I, I said, I, you know, he was, he was bereft. He was, he was in tears. He was so saddened by the fact that he might not be able to get his hand on one of these things. And, and between his wails of desperation and hopelessness, I said to him, Anthony, calm down. My friend, even if we cannot get an Xbox series console at launch, Cyberpunk 2077 is going to be forward compatible. So we'll be able to get it on the Xbox One. And then once we finally do get our hands on that series, we'll be able to to play it, uh, move our, our save data over and play it on the Xbox Series console. And, you know, he wiped some of his tears away and said, you know what, you're right, Dustin, as you often are. And I said, well, let's just look forward to the 19th of November. And so either way, if we're playing on a new console or not, we'll at least be playing this hot new game Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> and so, Anthony, I'm sorry to start up the waterworks for you again, my friend, but unfortunately, uh, it's not coming out until the 10th of December. So it, we're just going to have to wait a little bit, a little bit longer. And we've said it on the show before. We, we have mentioned how we are, though we're not fans of the game being delayed because we want to see it out like anybody else. But apparently there's been people online that are sending death threats to the creators of this game. You can't possibly proclaim yourself as a fan of a genre or of a thing when you you send death threats to the people that are creating it. I mean, that's absolutely warped. That's absolutely wrong. You shouldn't do that. It's best that the game is delayed, even though it hurts a little bit for us fans. And this is a complete first world problem here. I mean, like we are not, uh, we are not starving. We are not um, without a home to live in. We just don't have a, a, a child's toy to play with that we wanted to, when we were, were planning on playing with the thing, but having a game be delayed being done the right way is far better. I can't remember which game developer said it, Maybe it was one of the guys that made Zelda, but he said uh, a hurried, broken game will forever be a hurried, broken game or something along those lines. And it's true. I mean, you can patch certain things through DLC, which many, many games, I think most all games do now, but you can't ever fix that first impression, that first meeting with a game. And so I think it's good that it's being delayed. And if it has to be delayed beyond December 10th, well, I'm okay. I'm there for it too. I've seen enough. I know that it's close in the previews and the trailers and the gameplay footage that I've seen. So we'll get the game. It's just going to be a little bit longer. We've got other games to play until then too, like uh, Apex Legends. Season 6 of Apex Legends is coming to a close. Uh, season 7 is starting up on November the 4th. Um, there's a new map, Olympus. So if you haven't jumped into Apex Legends in a while, now is a good time uh, to do that. They, I'm, I don't know if this has been confirmed, and I didn't look into it too much, but there is going to be maybe the addition of vehicles. That in the in the announcement trailer, there was a very vehicle heavy focus. So I think there may be uh, vehicles, and there's also a new character, H Horizon. Uh, is there and all that's coming on November 4th. So that's just right around the corner. And they are, I think just coming to the close of their special spooky Halloween event as well. The fright night 
Shadow Royale or, or whatever it's called. No, Shadow Royale's the Fortnite one. I've been playing a lot of Fortnite with my family. They they really get into it. And the last bit of video game news is I don't know when they announced it, but it will be coming out sometime this fall. And we've talked about it on the show before, but the Atari VCS. Uh, it's a it's a new Atari system. Like out of the blue, Atari's coming back and they're like, okay, we are going to make game consoles and games again. It's curious, but it's like it's kind of like the SNES or NES classic, wherein there are a bunch of classic Atari games. Apparently, I don't know if there's that big of a demand for these very, very primitive, very, very early video games, though, just like with the NES and SNES classic, it is cool to see, you know, where the the modern video games that we're playing today came from. Like where, where they, I don't know where they got their start is it's really neat to see, but they're going to have those old games, but apparently they're also going to have, uh, the ability to play uh, new third party triple a games as well. And so I don't know if the computing power is right up there next to the series and the, and the PlayStation five, but m- maybe it is, it is, uh, going to be released for, $389. So it's right there, uh, middle of the road, competitive with the um, Xbox Series and the PlayStation 5. And it's just kind of mid tier option. It's about as much as the, I think, wait, how much is the digital PlayStation 5? That's $400, isn't it? So yeah, it's, it's basically, I don't, it's obviously not going to be comparable to it. I mean, what third-party developers are going to be developing as well for the Atari? How well are those going to trans... Will I be playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla on the Atari VCS? I doubt it. I I don't foresee myself getting an Atari VCS, but it might be kind of neat. And you know, a lot of the times you get a console, you get a video game console when they're released based on what your friends are playing on. And so it's going to be a hard sell for all of these people that are so entrenched in the uh, the PlayStation or the Xbox ecosystems to decide they want to jump ship and go to a completely new ecosystem. And we've seen this already. We've seen it with Stadia. We've seen it with um, the Apple Games Store. Like they have a, a games department. But, uh, but we'll see. And it's going to have, you know, the regular kind of... Uh, <laughs> the regular uh, kind of seasoning that these types of things do. It's going to have uh, Netflix. It's going to have uh, Vudu. And then later they're going to release, uh, you know, Hulu and YouTube as well on it. So it's going to be a, a multi-use device, just like it's going to have apps for all that stuff, like all of the regular, you know, big three systems have. Do the big three systems? Does, does Nintendo Switch have Hulu and Netflix? They've got to, I know they've got YouTube, I think, I don't know. I I play Towerfall on my Nintendo switch. Anyway, the Atari VCS, uh, just to give you some statistics on it here, it's going to be, uh, 11.6 by 5.9 by 1.9 inches. Uh, it's going to weigh three pounds. And if you haven't seen a picture of this thing, I, I, I beg of you, go on the internet, find a picture of the Atari VCS, because it looks 
It's got that wood paneling, just like the old Atari do. The old Atari do. The old Atari did. <laughs> that, that'd be how it does. That'd be how it do. Uh, the OS is the Atari Custom Linux OS. Um, APU is the AMD Raven Ridge 2. GPU is Ryzen. Uh, the storage, very small, uh, at least right now. 32 gigabytes eMMC internal storage. And then unlimited external USB HD stick. And then they also apparently have a subscription-based cloud storage. The RAM is 8 gigabytes DDR4 RAM, uh, optionally expandable. And it's compatible with Windows, Linux, uh, Stream, OS, and Chrome OS. Wireless connections, Wi-Fi 802.11 BGN 2.4 gigahertz, 2.4, 2.5 gigahertz, excuse me, Bluetooth 4.0. And wired connections, HDMI 2.0 and a gigabit, gigabit, gigabit Ethernet. USB uh, 3.1, and they've got four of those adapters there. Externally, uh, the classic joystick, and they've got a modern controller, which has the offset sticks, just like we talked about with the Xbox controller. This is kind of a standard thing. So now we've got the Atari VCS, we've got the Luna, we've got the Stadium, we've got the Xbox. That is the standard formatting for a video game controller. Also a microphone, and... What it, I thought was pretty cool about it, it also supports uh, both Xbox One and uh, PlayStation 4 uh, controllers and accessories. So I think that's pretty pretty neat. Just like a lot of people that play video games on their PCs, when it's not a first-person shooter, will hook up an Xbox controller to their PC. So similarly here, I guess you can hook up your controller of preference, though... If they're all sharing the same format, PlayStation get on board, Nintendo get on board, then <laughs> but Nintendo is on board too because the Nintendo Switch Pro controller has those offset sticks and uh, the the controller uh, scheme that the Xbox does. So anyway, uh, that's the Atari uh, VCS console. We'll see how well it does. Like I said right away, I am not the demographic i am not the audience i am not the market for this system because i am clearly an xbox fanboy uh anthony mentioned it on uh monday he had his whole episode on uh D, and D made me the episode made me feel very nostalgic for something that i wasn't really involved in and I have friends, uh, my my buddy uh, Richard, he does a uh, role-playing pod, not a podcast, he does a role-playing, he's got a YouTube channel, the RPG Daily with Richard Quiner. You check it out if you, if you can. Um, but that and a, a podcast called The Adventure Zone have really kind of enticed my curiosity about D&D myself. And then of course, the podcast on Monday on the Monday Madness show where he talked about his old experience with D&D, with dice rolling and the different types of people that play D&D, different ways they roll dice. He got really into it. Um, I wasn't allowed to play D&D when I was younger. Uh, my parents, my my mother uh, more so, really bought into the hype that that newscasters and, and uh, politicians were, were saying that, you know, D and D was a, 
it was a portal into Satanism and the devil and uh, my soul would forever burn an eternal hellfire in the pits of damnation had I played D&D. And so we weren't allowed to play D&D. I remember my, my parents found us with a riffs book and Anthony mentioned riffs as well, but we, we had a riffs book and it had this very scantily clad uh, lady on the front of it. And she was fighting a mini tentacled, uh, single eyeballed or multi eyeballed. I can't remember what kind of monster it was. She was fighting this monster and it was very, and we were gonna, we were playing with it, but we didn't know how to play. So we were just kind of looking at the pictures in the book. And like Anthony said, the art in these things is absolutely amazing. But we were looking at the pictures and my mom was like, that is, that is the devil's work. You can't have it. And she got rid of it. So we didn't have any game to play. So we made up our own game. Me and my brother and Anthony and my, my pal Tom, we made our own characters, our own monsters, our own weapons, our own vehicles, our own maps. And we made this role-playing game. And I will admit, I was not the the best dungeon master or, uh, or GM because, like my buddy Tom pointed out when we were younger, and I remember this vividly, I said, okay, you go around the bend and you see these monsters and you get into a fight with them. And my buddy Tom was like, you don't have to make us get into a fight every time. We want to we wanna resolve the actions, you know, maybe amicably, maybe diplomatically. We want to make our characters uh, hide or sneak or, or move around or, or do something else that's not just fighting. This isn't a video game, Dustin. This isn't Final Fantasy VII. And so uh, thinking about that then and thinking about the way that like Anthony said, it has it has risen again in popularity, or it's had kind of a resurgence in the the minds and hearts of the youth and the, the olds. It it made me kind of fixate on the idea, not fixate on the idea, but it made me cherish the idea of a of a communal storytelling, which is what D and D is. You get around with your best buddies. And you tell a story together and you don't necessarily, you're, you're, you're trying to win and, and succeed in the adventure. Sure. But you're not necessarily, that's not the goal. The goal is to tell a fun and engaging story. And since I never really took part in that, I did, uh, I did get a, a, a starter box set of DNT just last week. It is funny because Anthony and I, we didn't talk about his episode beforehand at all. But I did get a starter D&D set that's got a mini adventure. I believe it's the Lost Minds of Fandelver. The Lost Minds of Fandelever. And it's got a rule book in there. It's got a bunch of uh, pre-made up startup sheets and then a bunch of sets of dice. So my intention with this is to learn this starter set and then play with my kids. And because I... I, it's, it says you recommend the age 10 to 12, I think on there, but, uh, I think my younger kids could do it. They got a good imagination a little reading comprehension might be a little difficult with uh, my daughter because she's younger, but I, I, I think it's going to be a really, a really fun thing. <clears throat> as you all know, as you all are terribly and happily and wonderfully aware the X-Men 
and the Fantastic Four that were previously owned by Fox by 20th Century. When 20th Century Fox got bought up by Disney, though all of us trembled in our boots with fear of a, a monopoly by Disney over the entertainment industry, we in the Marvel and comic book community and especially those of us who are fans simultaneously of the MCU movies rejoiced. And we were so, so happy that finally the X-Men and the Fantastic Four would be coming home. I mean, there's still outliers. Uh, Of course, Spider-Man and all of his rogues gallery belong to Sony, but they've got a pretty lucrative deal set up right now with Disney. So Spider-Man gets to appear. Uh, Namor, the Submariner, I think he's with Universal or someone else. No, the Hulk's with Universal. Uh, And the Hulk, you can't have a solo movie with him, but you can have him appear in team-up movies apparently. So we've got most of the Hulk. And Namor the Submariner, I can't remember what the deal was with him, but I think there was something going on where we were going to get to see him as well. So now we have a situation where all of these heroes of the Marvel brand can appear under one roof. And it's exciting because they all can they all can play in the same sandbox. They've tried to do different adaptations of different stories before, like when MCU tried to do the Civil War and they had uh, the the Black Panther and Spider-Man and they all kind of came together and they had like a mini Civil War, but it was by no way nearly as grand as it was in the comics. The X-Men have tried to do the Dark Phoenix saga several times. Uh, The... No one has tried yet, but we're thinking that WandaVision on Disney Plus, when it comes out, is going to try and do the House of M sort of mind-bending, reality-warping thing. But we haven't been able to do these stories correctly as of yet because we haven't had all the characters. We haven't had the main characters. We have stand-ins, and we've kind of changed some of the story. And yeah, you shouldn't expect the story in the movies to remain a hundred percent true to what they are in the comic books, but you should still have at least some semblance and, and some nostalgia. That's why Brian Singer should not be allowed to touch the X-Men characters ever again. You ask any X-Men character, show me on the doll where Brian Singer touched you and they will (laughs) through tears in their eyes. They will show you that he did terrible, terrible things to that whole continuity to all of those characters. And Though there are rumors of Brian Singer coming over to the MCU and lending his his particular brand of superheroed fantasy to the MCU ranks. Please, Kevin Feige, if you're out there listening, if you are any kind of a man, you will not let him touch these characters ever, ever again. So how do we explain mutants coming into the MCU? Are they going to reboot the whole MCU? Absolutely not. And they shouldn't because they have established such, such a wonderful timeline in the MCU. They've had such great, powerful moments to include the death of Tony Stark of Iron Man. And so you can't just erase that and reboot it and start from scratch. I mean, the MCU and Disney, they have done so much work 
to build up these characters and to familiarize their audience with these storylines, which allows them to do the bigger, more bombastic, more characteristic, more fantastical storylines like I've talked about before. And so you don't reboot the MCU and you don't reboot the Fox Marvel thing. You can do a multiverse. You've got a couple different options right here. And this is probably what they're doing, to be frank, uh, with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and then uh, WandaVision, where they bring these characters in from a multiple dimension or they change the world in such a way in an event that adds the mutants into the world. Because part of the big things with the mutants was it was a very public affair. People had the X gene and they were different. And so they were being oppressed and they were being um, held to account for just themselves not being, quote, normal, end quote. Uh, so that they can come in a few different ways. And I'd like to see something been like that. And I talked about it in an episode or two ago where uh, it'd be nice to have Hugh Jackman back as Wolverine, but only momentarily only from another universe and only from one of these multiverse kind of explainers. But what I'd like to see first, before I see the X-Men in the MCU is I'd like to see the fantastic four because the X-Men, as much as I lament that the Fox uh, Marvel movies ever happened, as much as I am, am just in absolute disgust at the way they treated some of those characters let's be honest, most of those characters in those movies, they've had some good moments. They, they really have the fantastic four. On the other hand, I don't think have had quite as many good moments and they are, they're Marvel's first family. There's a lot of lore. There's a lot of comic book history to draw from, uh, to see the fantastic four realized in a good way. And so I think before you prioritize X-Men in an MCU, you prioritize Fantastic Four. Why I don't think that'll happen, though, is because X-Men has much more brand and name recognition. I mean, frankly, uh, the MCU would have done X-Men first had they had them, but they had to tick, pick the uh, the B team. They had to pick the Avengers to go, go first because they didn't have the X-Men. Fox had the X-Men. So I'd like to see Fantastic Four. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, first, but as I was thinking about this, I got to thinking if you were to recast, uh, many of the characters in the X-Men universe, in the fantastic four universe, who would you like to cast? And as I got to thinking about it, then I also remembered, I'm not that familiar with modern day actors. I'm like Keanu Reeves and John Travolta, Nicholas K and all these like older guys that I watched 15, 20 years ago are not, I don't think, uh, the right ones to have in these roles. Ideally we get some actors that have not to be ageist here, but a little bit of youth on their side so they can grow up with the roles so they can become these characters and fit into these storylines. And I'd love to see an old man. Lo I, I still haven't seen the regular Logan. I haven't seen Logan with Hugh Jackman in it. Um, I, even though I heard it was really good. I want to see one of the, the fantastic Logan where they've got, there's dinosaurs and it's the apocalypse and it's just, I'll still watch Logan. I'm, I'm, I'm getting around to it. 
It's just, it's going to take it and take a little bit of time. So I'm, I'm going to go through some of these characters that need to be recast. And I got uh, some help. I went online and I looked at a, a list and it was from starloggers.com because I'm not that familiar with actors. I'm not as familiar as I once was. And there's a lot of new and upcoming actors, um, but a lot that I recognized once they were suggested to me in this list. So starting with Wolverine, right? That's that's the elephant in the room. Nobody wants to recast Hugh Jackman. Uh, nobody wants to recast him more than me <laughs> because they think he did such a great, and he did a fine job, but he's just too tall and too handsome to be Wolverine. He shouldn't be. I think Carl Urban should play Wolverine. Now, a lot of people, myself included, thought that uh, Tom Hardy would make a wonderful Wolverine, and he really would. He's kind of got that that mean, that grumpy, that kind of you know stout-looking exterior kind of guy that could play uh, could play Logan in the movies, but unfortunately. He's Venom already, and he plays a great Eddie Brock. He plays a great Venom. When does that movie come out? When does Venom 2 come out? Got to be next year, probably next October, because that's when the first one came out, and it did very well then. But Carl Urban, you know, he he was Billy Butcher in The Boys. He was Judge Dredd. He's got kind of that asshole vibe. He's just got it down to a T. Um, yeah, I just... I don't think Hugh Jackman should be Wolverine anymore. One, he's too old, and so for an immortal mutant, it wouldn't make for a good good. He's just getting older and older, man. You got to have someone, and when you when you bring the new actor on, because CG has gotten so good, bring the new actor on and then age up his face just ten years, age it up just ten years, and then as you make the movies. As you go on with these storylines, because Wolverine, because Logan, he ages slower than everybody else. You keep that kind of physical CG uh, moment in time caught. So he could play the character for 20 years. And in 20 years, you've aged it down 10 years. So now you've got the same looking guy for all of these movies. So he plays the character for 20 years and he's still the same kind of slow aging mutant that Wolverine is in the comics. I think that's what you should do with it, Disney. Just uh, give me a call for for more great ideas. Uh, Rogue, I think Aubrey Aubrey Plaza could play Rogue. And and Rogue is not as as wisecracking, as dry-humored as Aubrey Plaza is. I don't know why I'm having a hard time saying Plaza is in real life, but of course, Aubrey Plaza is an actor. And so she could play rogue. And I, I honestly, I just, I love Aubrey Plaza. So she could play anyone. Hell, make her, make her Wolverine. I don't care. Uh, Jean Grey could be played by Amelia Clark. Uh, she's got a, she's got a good acting gravitas. She's got in, in Game of Thrones. She just had such a, a presence about her that, uh, I don't know. She could play a, a good world ending psychic, but don't make her dark Phoenix in the first movie. What are you thinking? Fox, you're putting the cart before the horses, as they say, Cyclops. Now Cyclops was underrepresented or played. He, he wasn't played in a good way. I don't think 
because Cyclops, to me, to my brother, to Anthony, he was always the leader of the group. Back when we watched the X-Men cartoon on Saturday mornings, you got to have uh, someone who can play that is preferably someone with a very strong jawline. You get someone like um, like a Chris Pine. He could do he could do Cyclops well or Charlie Hunman. He could do he could do Cyclops well. And in the past, like I said, if this was if this was Dustin from 20 years ago, I would say have Tom Cruise do it because Tom Cruise has got that kind of leadership leadership role. Not not anymore anyway, but uh, he could. And uh, Liam Hemsworth could play Gambit. He was in this in this list I got on Star Loggers. He was suggested as Angel. And so that could be a good that could be a good cast as well. Uh, but I think he could be charming enough to pull off uh, Gambit or maybe Pedro Pascal. And then Star Loggers also said that uh, Aaron Paul would be a good pick. So any of those guys could play play Gambit. Just please, for the love of God, do not pick Channing Tatum again. I I was so fearful for that movie. And I don't I I I know why, but I. You, you ever see Wolverine, X-Men Origins Wolverine? That's what the that's what the Gambit movie would have been. It would have been this mishmash, it would have been people that didn't understand the character. It would have been poorly poorly written, poorly executed, and just overall a, a poor choice. Now, Magneto and Professor Xavier. Now, honestly, from the Fox X-Men, they got these characters right. I think they got them right the first time, but I think they got them especially right when there was the new run of the X-Men movies, Days of Future Past and uh, the uh, Apocalypse movie. Fassbender as Magneto, he was wonderful. And the way they did his origin story was also wonderful. See, I'm not all critiques about the Fox Marvel thing. I mean, I like some of it. Same with uh, McAvoy as Professor Xavier. And so I'm hoping that there is a there is a world where Disney obliges just this one man, just me, <laughs> please. And they bring both of these characters with their actors over from the Fox universe. And Scarlet Witch or Doctor Strange or whoever's ripping the portal open between these two worlds is able to make sure that these two guys make the bus over. Now, there was a big controversy. I think it was uh, last year. Maybe it was earlier this year. No, it must have been last year. There was a rumor making the rounds that said that Professor X and Magneto uh, would be played by people of color or should be played by people of color, which as we all know and are familiar with the internet, got a lot of people spooked. (laughs) They did not like that at all. But if you look into the plights of the mutants and how the two different mutant leaders reacted to it, it reflected uh, the different paths to equality that uh, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X were taking. Obviously, Malcolm X championed uh, not such a peaceful approach as MLK did, but this was the analogy that the mutants were making and the X-Men was making. And the plight of the mutants was an analogy for equality in America. Uh, so Star Loggers, they're going off of this rumor. They said that Jeffrey Wright uh, would play a good Professor X and Giancarlo Esposito would make for a good Magneto. Uh, 
and I, I really like that casting. Uh, say what you want about the uh, race swapping of these characters in, in particular, but I really do like Esposito as Magneto. But he is being very, very typecast as a villain. <laughs> he was the Breaking Bad villain. He was uh, the the villain in The Mandalorian coming out of that spacecraft at the end with the lightsaber. He was, he played Edgar in The Boys. Like he is... I feel bad for the guy because he's being very typecast, but I think he would make a very good Magneto uh, regardless. Um, but my preference, of course, like I said uh, at the top of this character, I still think that the Fox Marvel guys are the best best pick for the roles. Uh, Star Loggers recommended Storm be played by Naomi Aki, uh, who played uh, Janna in The Rise of Skywalker. And... I don't really have a preference on this character. Um, not not one of my favorite characters, but whoever plays her, I think it would be cool if they incorporated her right away into a Black Panther sequel, or if they had scenes showcasing Wakanda or scenes that were were kind of Wakanda focused. If she would play a role in those scenes, just because. In the comics, Storm was married to Black Panther for a time, and so to have her added as part of the Wakandan lore, if the universes get reset, yeah, oh yeah, here was T'Challa's wife, uh, and and she comes in. I I think that would be cool to add. So whoever whoever's playing her, if they part of the problem with the X Men movies, the old X Men movies, the Fox Marvel X Men movies, was they 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 tried to bunch too many things together. And one of the things that MCU does really well, the Disney Marvel, is they let their characters spread out and play in different movies. And you have the Iron Mans in Spider-Man. You have the Hulks in the Thor. And I think part of the reason that X-Men, fa- it didn't fail, but it didn't do as well as it should have, at least in my mind, is because it didn't have that interconnectivity. They just tried to put it all into one thing. Colossus. He should be the same Colossus as was in the Deadpool movies and never have him shift out of Colossus form, never have him go back uh, to his normal human form, just have him be the CG metal Colossus. That's that's all you need to do. And then speaking of Deadpool, Nobody but Ryan Reynolds, please bring him over, which I think they're going to, but they're not going to make him part of the MCU, which is a bum deal. And I'll talk a little bit more about Deadpool in the MCU and where he needs to, where he needs to premiere, where he needs to be showcased for beast. They need to bring back Kelsey, Kelsey Grammer there. I said it. Frazier crane needs to be the beast, but the character in the movies needs to be animated. The thing Colossus, Hulk, the Beast, Juggernaut, any of these larger-than-life characters, the Blob, need to be animated. The CG that we have now is up to the task. And, I mean, just give the costume designers a break. Give the actors a break. Make them so they don't have to have to worry about how they're going to go to the bathroom in these big, giant suits. And whatever they decide to do with these characters, I cannot wait to see Wolverine join the Avengers or uh, Wolverine fight the Hulk. 
Uh, hopefully, the MCU will be able to do a, a proper adaptation of the Illuminati once all these characters join up. Iron Man, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Reed Richards, uh, Namor. And like I said, I heard a rumor that Brian Singer was coming back to work on the MCU version of the X-Men. Please, please, please don't let... I Sam Raimi's coming back, and to me... Sam Raimi did the worst iteration of Spider-Man. I know a lot of people think it's beloved. They are are so nostalgic about it. And yes, modern day superhero movies do owe a great deal to those Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. However, Spider-Man 3 was just so, so notoriously bad. Sam Raimi's directing the new Doctor Strange movie, so I hope that I hope that turns out well. But Brian Singer gets no excuse. He gets he gets no cra- the problem with Brian Singer and I think Kevin Smith said this on his podcast is that Brian Singer he attempted to ground these characters too much similar to the way that the Netflix Marvel uh, tried to ground their characters too much these are superheroes they can fly and shoot laser beams out of their anus please for the love of god just give us some, if you want to write heavy drama, go write heavy drama. There's all kinds of, of topics and, and scripts and stories based on heavy drama for the sake of being heavy drama. For superheroes, we need to see them do some fantastical things. I mean, just hinting at it will get us drawn in, but it's not going to keep us there. So you've got, you've got to release these characters. Kevin, keep Brian away from this stuff, please. Anyone can play Mystique, just not J-Law. That's my uh, opinion on it. She is not the star of the X-Men films, even though she was the star of the X-Men films. She was not the star in the comics. She was a side character. She was a sidekick. Um, J-Law could play uh, Jean Grey. She'd do great as Jean Grey, and she wouldn't have to put on that dang costume. Uh, my wife said uh, Nina Dobevi, uh, who played, uh, she played on the Vampire Diaries, I guess. She could play a good mystique, she said. And really, it doesn't matter uh, who who plays her, since she should be transformed most of the time with her her subterfuge and camouflage. And uh, for Mister Sinister, I vote uh, Pedro Pascal. If if we decide as a as a community here at the Culture Jack community, we decide that he is not going to be Gambit uh, to put him as Mister Sinister, or. Maybe Mr. Sinister could be uh, played by the guy who played Pennywise the, the Clown. Is that Bill Skarsgård? Although uh, Star Loggers thought Skarsgård, they thought he would be a good Nightcrawler. Uh, I think that Rami Malek, uh, the guy who played Mr. Robot, and he played uh, the Queen guy. God, why can't I think of the Queen guy's name? Freddie Mercury. He played Freddie Mercury. He played he played Mr. Robot. He should play Nightcrawler. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I do think, though, when they bring the X-Men over, the Sentinels need to have a, a bigger role in the MCU. Uh, Juggernaut, just like Colossus, he should be uh, copy-pasted from the Deadpool movies. He was done very well. Big CG fight scene coming up. <laughs> Uh, for Sabretooth, uh, Leif Schreiber, uh, I think his name is Leif Schreiber. Uh, he did a great job with his character. 
Um, but they grounded him too much. They didn't give him like the big, I mean, they gave him a coat that had like a fur collar around it. That was like a throwback. It's like Wolverine opening up the briefcase at the end of origins with the, the yellow mask in there and going, Ooh, he's going to put on the yellow mask. He's not going to Brian singer. Shut up. Stop it. Knock it off. Um, they grounded Sabretooth too much. Star loggers did suggest Norman Reedus. But now that I think about Norman Reedus, I'm thinking he would play a pretty badass gambit, to, to be honest with you. Marvel Studios is looking to bring back Oscar Isaac for the role of Apocalypse. And then uh, Liam Neeson has been mentioned as a possibility for Galactus. Huh? Huh? Yeah, yeah and this is fine because uh, the character should almost entirely be be CG anyway. And uh, Liam Neeson, he's got the voice of a menacing ga- galactic threat. And he, <laughs> he arrives on Earth and he says, look, I don't know who you are and where, where you're at, but I have a particular set of skills. <laughs> I'm going to eat this planet. That's what he says. Dr. Doom. Okay. Maybe I'm getting too trigger happy with Pedro Pascal, but that's mostly just because I don't know many actors, but he could also play Dr. Doom because whoever plays Dr. Doom, it needs to be able to play an evil genius, which he could, which he, he saw how uh, devastatingly charming that he was and, uh, and skilled in game of Thrones. Um, but they're also going to, whoever plays him is going to need to spend a lot of time behind a mask and, Pedro, baby, you just spent two seasons behind a mask for the Mandalorian. So he's got good practice there and he can do it, I think. But what should what should the should phase five look like of the MCU with all these characters that we've just recasted here together? Maybe phase five, maybe late phase four. Um, We really haven't gotten uh, gotten any of phase four yet because Black Widow hasn't been released to Disney Plus. Please get on it. Holy cow. I'm so mad about that. Why? Why you have this anger in you, Dustin? I don't know. Um, we need a Fantastic Four movie first that introduces mutants as some side story and also Doctor Doom as, let me pitch this, the first recurring MCU villain. I've complained about this before. All the MCU villains, they die off. Shouldn't kill them off. How are they going to come back to fight again if they're they're dead? But this movie starts the setup for Galactus, as many have speculated on the Internet, being the the phase five, phase six, big bad uh, in a similar way that Thanos was uh, the big bad. And even if if you have Galactus as the big bad and Doom is still alive after he's been defeated the first or second time, he can help fight Galactus because Dr. Doom's whole shtick is he is philanthropic with his, not in his methods necessarily, but he's a whole guy where the, the ends justify the means and he is going to subjugate and dominate and control in order to save, in order to preserve the earth and the, and the people of the earth. So Dr. Doom could step up to help fight Galactus uh, in the finale. At, at some point, there needs to be an X-Men versus the Avengers. Uh, maybe in one of the, the phases, big tentpole Avengers movies, maybe in phase five, maybe 
in phase six. I don't, they're not even being called phases anymore. It's just like in these three years, we're going to release these movies or whatever, but they're still phases. Everyone knows their phases. I have heard that Kang, the conqueror should make an appearance. And I'd also love to see uh, a Deadpool kills the Marvel universe. If you haven't read those comics, Deadpool goes a little bit insane. I mean, he's already insane, but a little bit more insane. And he goes and kills every member of uh, the Marvel universe. And then there's other ones where he comes and and he kills other classic literature literature. Uh, He comes and kills, you know, Shakespeare and, and, and others (laughs) shows you how much classic literature I read. Uh, And during all of this, what like I had hinted at earlier where we need to see Deadpool is we need to see him introduced as the new Stan Lee type character. I know Stan Lee wasn't a character, but he was a character. He was the connective tissue that held all of these universes together. Even before Disney had bought Fox, he would appear in some way in every single one of these licenses. And so a, a Deadpool character could take his place super easy that appears in all of these interconnected properties. Even when Ryan Reynolds is done playing Deadpool, this is the genius part about it. And this is where you can laud my intelligence and my, my, my foresight as much as you'd like. The character can still appear in all these movies and shows because he's in masks. He can cameo in each one of them and it doesn't have to be Ryan Reynolds. It could be just Deadpool in the background of a serious fight, eating a chimichanga. And I will say, I will, I will yell it from the mountaintops as long as I yell from the mountaintops that Black Widow needs to be released on Disney Plus. Maybe it's getting closer. Maybe it's getting closer. But the Fantastic Four are going to need to be recast as well. Uh, and so I know you guys have seen on the internet, internet, I know you've seen that uh, Reed Richards, a fantasy casting, is John Krasinski. Uh, he's been photoshopped as Reed Richards many times. And I, I can't argue with the casting. I mean, hearing that one before hearing any other potential dream castings of this character, I can't, I can't knock John Krasinski out of the first place running for the character. And then, uh, his wife, uh, Emily Blunt, uh, she has been photoshopped as, uh, the invisible woman as Sue Storm. And so hopefully that that can be a thing in the MCU as well. And uh, the one that really cracks me up, though, is Johnny Storm. And it really doesn't matter who is cast as Johnny Storm, though, because they're they're going to end up uh, just being removed as Johnny Storm or Johnny Storm is going to be removed. And then they're going to play a different Marvel character anyway. Right. Because Chris Evans was the human torch first. And then Michael B. Jordan was the human torch. And then they went on to play Captain America and Killmonger, respectively. I don't know. I don't know. You know what would be fun? If during some of this multiverse stuff that was going on, if if Chris Evans or uh, Michael B. Jordan reprised their role as the Human Torch, <laughs> as the universes collided, and he doesn't come back as Captain America, but he comes back as the Human Torch, or he doesn't come back as Killmonger, he comes back as the Human Torch. Oh, that would be so fun. Now, Medium had an article on the Fantastic Four recasting, and they said that Dave Franco would make a good Human Torch. 
That's a wonderful casting. I can't argue with that. And that leaves me to ask, or, or it leads me to ask, where are we going to put James Franco? James Franco hasn't been in a Marvel movie. Let's get him in on, on the Marvel. And then that leads me to ask, with his good buddy, his bosom buddy, Seth Rogen, what is he going to play in the Marvel Universe? And that gets me to thinking of bigger guys, and I'm thinking, where's Jack Black? Maybe Jack Black should play a character that's on the same level as like an, a, a not they're not Eternals, Celestials maybe, uh, what, whatever uh, Goldblum's Grandmaster was or Benicio del Toro's uh, The Collector. That should be a Jack Jack Black character, I think. And then finally, the last person that we need to cast is Ben Grimm, the Thing, and some had suggested Daniel Craig. Uh, they suggested him for Magneto, but I think he would make an excellent Ben Grimm. But then, then I think, well, uh, Ben Grimm needs more of a New York accent. He had kind of a, kind of a thick New York accent. And then maybe, I don't know, uh, Daniel, Daniel Craig can put on a decent heavy New York accent, perhaps. I don't know. Who knows? They also suggested, uh, Alan, Alan Tudyk's, uh, name. Uh, he's been thrown around a little bit, uh, to play, to play Ben Grimm. I, I, I can't wait. I think there has been no real MCU casting that I've had a huge disagreement. And I said, no, that shouldn't be the character. They've nailed them all. Uh, Chadwick Boseman for black Panther was perfect. Tom Holland for Spider-Man was perfect. You can't think of a better Iron Man or Tony Stark than Robert Downey Jr. So they've just, they've done so well in all of their casting that I, I have a hard time believing that them with many, many more resources than I have, and probably a little bit more extensive knowledge on who's hot in Hollywood right now, will have no problem recasting the MCU. But with that, that's the end of the Friday show today. Sorry, it's a late one today, guys. I apologize. If I don't, uh, if I don't see, if I don't talk to you, happy Halloween. (laughs) I don't mean to scare you. That's not, that's not my purpose here. Uh, If you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on whatever, whatever platform you're listening to it on. So you can get episodes right when we release them on Monday and on Friday. Also leave us a review because though I don't understand where all of the data that my voice turns into goes into the internet and becomes to become an algorithm to find this podcast. I do know that if you interact with this podcast, giving it a thumbs up, liking it where you can, leaving a review. It shows those platforms that they need to promote this podcast more. And I'd love nothing more than to talk with more of you out there. As always, have a great weekend. Stay tuned for the Monday Madness episode with Anthony on Monday. And I'll talk to y'all later. 